In today's unsettling times, it's good to know that Jesus is walking with us in the present and that there's hope for our future. Jesus Today is a devotional from Sarah Young that will inspire and encourage you with assurances from Scripture that God is still in control. You can get Jesus Today at JesusCalling.com or your favorite bookseller. All of these heartache things have been a gift in my life because when you have the curled up in the fetal position pain, you also get to experience and understand what unbelievable, beautiful, amazing joy is. Welcome to the Jesus Calling Podcast. This week, we speak with two women who remind us that even though life is always changing, God is always with us, and we can rely on Him for peace and joy. Author and speaker Don Barton and singer-songwriter Ashlyn Grace. Dawn Barton's joy is, as she says, unstoppable, and she's on a mission to tell the world that despite all the countless things in our lives that are out of our control, there is one thing we can absolutely control. We can choose to embrace joy. Dawn has come to this realization after walking through more heartache than most can imagine. But through it all, Dawn has seen God redeem so many of her darkest moments and use those times to transform herself and the people around her, which she shares in her new book, Laughing Through the Ugly Cry. I am Don Barton, and I am a woman who has been in the world of sales for 30 plus years. And I was a top producer in a direct sales company, Mary Kay Cosmetics. And I was a number seven sales director in the company. And I had a dream that I fully admit makes me sound a little cuckoo too, but uh, I had a dream to, to write this book. And I left everything that I knew, cars, paycheck, everything to take a leap of faith to write about joy. I am somebody who has lost a child, a sweet, precious daughter. I have been raped and the assailant was caught and we went through a full jury trial. I have had stage three breast cancer and survived. My mother had a brain aneurysm. I lost my sister to cancer. My husband battled with alcoholism. He's been four and a half years sober. I've had so much that I think gives me every excuse in the world to be not joyful, but I really want to scream from the mountaintops why we should be joyful and why that it's a choice. So losing a child, even 28 years later, that pain never goes away. I am convinced that um, pain is pain is pain. We had nine months with her. As a mom, you can close your eyes and you can feel their touch and you can even smell their smells. You just can um, at certain moments of your life. But from a spiritual aspect, to go from having that and then not. I don't know how any parent can lose a child and not question faith just a little, just to say how, just to understand, because we want to understand. Of course, we won't understand on this side until we're with God. But talking about Madison is a hard thing because I still don't know the answers, maybe. Maybe that's what makes it so hard. But I do know that my choice to see her as a precious gift that is my choice. And I hope that people who have had that kind of loss can take that step back and go, oh, but I got to. I got to have them for that season of my life. I believe that joy is a choice because I think 
that there's moments when we're sad and when we're in the depths of sadness. And first of all, we are all fully allowed to have sadness and hurt and pain and, you know, devastating uh, moments in our lives when we don't want to get out of bed and we, we are sad and we are in pain. And that I, I fully believe we have to go through that season. But then there comes a choice where the day finally is there where you say, I got to get up today. If you're having a pity party, which I love to throw them, but I rarely get much of an attendance when I throw them. And you have to set a time limit. So if you want to have a cry fest, you want to have a pity party. I do think, you know, I will give myself an hour to be kind of miserable and feeling sorry for myself. And then I say in one hour, I have to da, 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 da. But when we're in a more of a deep sadness, I don't think we can necessarily put a, a time limit on that. But there does come a point where you just have to start doing proactive things like turning on happy music, going outside and feeling the sun on your face, being around people that make you happy, even when you don't want to be around people. And for the love of Pete, like taking a shower, bathe. And that sounds so silly, but sometimes a shower and bathing is the most <sighs> difficult thing you can wrap your head around. And that's okay. Just know that it is no one's job to make you feel better, but yours. I remember when I was having the, the hardest time through the throes of cancer and I would fill up a great big bathtub and get in the bathtub and cry and cry and just say, God, you, got, you have to take this. I cannot do this anymore. Not another day. You have to take it. And it was almost like a, I was closing my eyes and throwing my hand in the air and I would feel him grab my hand. And you know how like with a little kid, you could almost grab their arm and fully pull them out, you know, with their hands. And I felt like he would do that with me. And when I came out, I was the happy kid again. So um, I think it's on purpose behaviors and asking him and giving it to him, surrendering it to him, but also doing the little things in your life, like lighting a candle, turning on music. Sometimes it's putting makeup on. Sometimes it's just being around the one person that will not say so much, but they'll just be with you and they'll deliver ice cream at the same time. Those are good people. Stay with those people. I think it's important sometimes to have a friend that will say, this is enough. It's time for you to, to get up. I remember telling a girlfriend of mine, I wasn't even sad. I was kind of having a little bit of a pity party. And it was during the struggles of leaving a career that I was really good at, stepping into something I was didn't know and wasn't good at. And she just on a phone called to me, said, stop it. Stop it. You are a strong and powerful woman. Stop. And that's all I needed to hear. Like, oh, yeah. So sometimes you just need to be that person to somebody because there aren't enough friends that are bold enough sometimes to say those kind of stop it things. And we need it. Well, I think what's really unusual about the relationship with my sister, Kim, is that most of our lives, we weren't particularly close. We we're very, very different from I have more olive skin, she had very fair skin, to um, I am somebody who would just... You know, I have one little hole in each ear and that's it. And she would, you know, have two, three piercings. She thought tattoos were neat. But because we were so different, we weren't particularly close on a regular basis until 
she was diagnosed with cancer. So cancer was a gift for my life, but also her cancer was a gift in our relationship. And we had six months of just this unbelievable time that the cancer brought us together. And we laughed a ton and it was just this sweet season. We had different types of breast cancer. Mine was stage three, hers was stage two. So I never, I couldn't even fathom that she would die from it because I survived stage three. So there's no way she could die from stage two. Every year, our family got together for, um, we do it for New Year's. We would go to the, the a National State Park in Louisiana and rent these cabins and just, honestly, we would just get together for two, three days and eat. I, I would love to tell you we did other, you know, deep quality family things, but we never do. We just eat. And when we said goodbye, when she and I were saying goodbye, I had this thing that just said, hug her longer. What if it's your last time? And I thought that was such a morbid thought and was mad at myself for having that thought. And also I had this, I was determined to get a photographer while we were there to do family pictures. And I had a photographer come out to this state park and, to, and everyone was annoyed at me. Like, I can't believe we're having us do family pictures. And we did family pictures. And 10 days later, I got a call that she had passed away in her sleep at, at night. So I was so thankful that um, in looking back at that, that was God's nudging for us to take those pictures, to have that memory with her and to just, I remember our, oh, I remember our last hug, like truly it was yesterday. I can feel, I remember not wanting to let go. And I think that's that little gift God gives you sometimes of just that feeling of don't let go, but hold on a little tighter, a little longer this time. So Kim died right in the middle of my, what I called million dollar year. I was racing for a massive goal with my company. I was trying to do something that hadn't been done. I had a very small team and we were trying to achieve $1 million in sales that year. And it had rarely been done in our company. And it's certainly not been done by a team that was as small as ours, but also a team that had never come close. We had done numbers that were a third of that. And to take that kind of leap, well, it just, people were laughing, you know, like, it's just not going to happen, girl. And when we hit that halfway mark in the year, I thought, I'm going to have to reposition to my team that we're not going to make this million dollar goal. And my sister was so behind it. She loved what we were doing. She loved it. She was so excited about it. And then Kim passed away. And I knew that I had every excuse in the world to step back from the goal and to not do it because who would ever say anything to me? I just lost my sister. I was, I was allowed to fall apart and to not hit goals. And I was just allowed to. And I felt Kim say this to me, don't you blame me for not hitting your goal. I just could feel her, don't you blame me for not hitting your million dollar goal. And so I asked my mom and dad and I said, how would you feel if I kept racing in her honor and that this became, you know, the, that Kim dying became the reason for something great happening, not the reason why something didn't happen. And sometimes I, I'm hesitating to say this because sometimes we do fall apart and we're allowed to and it's okay. But sometimes we can use that to fuel us into even more of the thing God has planned for us. And I know that had I not done this thing, then this next phase of my life could not have been done. So we we just made that um, the rest of the year became everything. We had shirts made. We had it everywhere. Hashtag Kim's Million. And everywhere I went, every party I did, I told the story of my sister. 
And I knew that when I achieved this goal, I would be standing on a stage in the Dallas Convention Center in front of 10,000 women telling them the story of my sister. And her legacy would be spread so far and wide and her story would be known because you know, she was the reason why, that she became our reason why. And so she did. And we did succeed. You know, sometimes reaching great big goals and doing things is one single story in your head. And for me, it was making a phone call. I refused to make a phone call at the end of that year and say, mom, we didn't hit Kim's million. I wanted, I kept imagining myself saying, mom, we finished Kim's million. And I was so grateful that a girlfriend of mine actually filmed me secretly making that phone call to my mom and crying and telling her to my mom and dad. They stayed up to midnight till the numbers were in. And I called them in Oklahoma and crying. And I said, mom, we did it. We did it. See, it makes me still cry. It, I said, we did Kim's million. We did Kim's million. And so I'm so glad that I used tragedy as the fuel for something that was beautiful. A big part of Dawn's joy and peace comes from her strong relationship with God. And as she was growing closer to God in her faith walk, one of the tools that helped her was Jesus Calling. It was given to me as a gift. For me, I was early in my faith journey, as in doing more of a deep dive in a relationship with the Lord. So that was a really important daily walkthrough for me. It just was. It was easy. It was simple. It was to my heart. And it's funny because as I've grown in my faith, I feel like it's evolved just like, yeah, I feel like the Bible does that too. Is this ever alive thing that you see things so differently as you evolve in your faith journey. But the way that it plays probably the biggest role in our house is the Jesus calling for kids and having my daughter read it out. So it's actually a very big part of our lives. This is a passage from Jesus Always on October 11th. I am your strength and your shield. I continually work, sometimes in wondrous ways, to invigorate you and protect you. The more fully you trust in me, the more your heart can leap for joy. I want you to trust me wholeheartedly, resting in my sovereign control over the universe. When circumstances seem to be spinning out of control, grab onto me, believing that I know what I'm doing. I orchestrate every event of your life to benefit you in this world and the next. While you are in the throes of adversity, your greatest challenge is to keep trusting that I am both sovereign and good. Do not expect to understand my ways, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways and thoughts higher than yours. When you respond to trouble with thanksgiving, convinced that I can bring good out of the most difficult situations, I am pleased. This act of faith encourages you and glorifies me. I rejoice when my struggling children give thanks to me in song. I love this passage because I think it's exactly everything that I'm saying. It's everything that I believe. It's what's in my heart. It's what's in my soul. And that is trust Him, that He is the source of joy. He's the it, the all, the everything. And it was when I finally learned to surrender and hand over that control that I just felt that much more joy in knowing that that He's kind of got me in all situations and everything. You can find more encouragement from Dawn, plus info about her new book, Laughing Through the Ugly Cry and Finding Unstoppable Joy, at dawnbarton.com.
Stay with us as we interview country singer-songwriter Ashlyn Grace. After a brief message about exclusive editions of Jesus Calling products, you can find online at Costco. Motherhood. It's a journey like no other, teeming with love, unparalleled dedication, and moments that pierce the very essence of your soul. It's a trek that demands to be celebrated, lauded, and embraced in its entirety. Celebrate the moms in your life this Mother's Day with two beautiful gift books, Jesus Calling for Moms by Sarah Young and Grace for the Moment for Moms by Max Licato. These heartfelt devotionals will remind the moms in your life just how special they are. Jesus Calling for Moms and Grace for the Moment for Moms are available now where all books are sold. During times of transition and unknown next steps, it's more important than ever to cling to the promises of God and to tune your ear to what Jesus has to say. Jesus Calling for Graduates is an encouraging compilation of 150 devotions from Sarah Young's brand. Grads will find topics such as discerning God's will, self-worth, trust, support, and much more. Jesus Calling for Graduates is perfect for both high school and college graduates as they embark on the next chapter. Look for our special custom edition of Jesus Calling for Graduates, available exclusively at faithgateway.com. Find peace and joy in His presence with deluxe editions of Jesus Calling and Jesus Always, available exclusively at Costco.com. Each book features a beautiful leather soft cover in ruby or royal purple, including eye-catching gold foil details and an easy-to-read comfort print inside. These exclusive editions of Jesus Calling and Jesus Always are now on sale for only $19.99. Visit Costco.com today and type Sarah Young in the search bar to find your copy of these exclusive deluxe editions of Jesus Calling and Jesus Always and pick one up for a friend, too. Our next guest is up-and-coming country music artist Ashlyn Grace. Ashlyn grew up in a household surrounded by music and likes to tell people if you ever came to her house as a kid, you were going to get serenaded. Ashlyn taught herself to play guitar at a young age and carried this love for music into her adult life, pursuing her own career as a performer after graduating college. She began to play well-known music venues and festivals all over the country. Ashlyn's faith is a huge part of what goes into her songwriting and her performing, and her hope is that by being vulnerable with her own story through her music, she can help others as they seek healing for the hurts in their lives. I am Ashlyn Grace, and I am from Nashville, Tennessee, and I'm a singer-songwriter, born and raised in Nashville, and have grown up in the music industry my whole life, and super close with my family, and um, they're just so supportive of everything I do. Music was introduced at such an early age for me, as well as my little brother. And so we had and still have so many instruments, I can't even count them on my hands, all the way from guitars to dulcimers, drums, literally everything. And so we just spent so many nights just playing music and kind of jamming out as a family and everything. And it's funny because whenever people come over to our house just for dinner, just to hang out for a little bit, it always turns into just a big jam session. From as long as I can even remember, I was at about everything with my mom and dad. And I have pictures with 
Alan Jackson holding me on stage when I was probably about like three or four. I would go to pretty much everything with my mom and dad, whether it be like a small showcase or a songwriter night um, or like a pitch meeting with my dad. It was just literally all music all the time. Faith played a huge part in my family. And I remember my parents reading me stories at night and then praying with me every night and um, just really focusing on that relationship with God and everything and just always teaching me and my little brother to put all of our trust and hope and faith in Him. So He was definitely a huge part of my life growing up and actually one of my songs that I wrote called 601 has a line in it talking about how I grew up singing songs and praying with my family and all that and that is the address of the house that I had grown up in. They had first gotten married and it was a small old little rundown thing and my parents both put a lot of hard work into it and fixed it up and everything and so that's where I grew up and then that's obviously where my little brother grew up as well and so we moved this was a few years ago now but um we had moved then not far at all maybe like 20 minutes or so and I had been driving by the house and they were bulldozing it literally right as I was driving by and it really hit me so hard it hit me a lot harder than I thought that it was gonna hit me but when I had driven by it and I actually was seeing you know all the work that my dad put into building our treehouse and picturing us sitting around in the den around the fireplace playing guitar and um, just all the memories that we had there of painting the walls together and putting our little handprints in the driveway and stuff it just tore me apart and so I just pulled all that emotion out and poured it into a song it was just something that was so special to me but I also think that so many people can relate to that song because I mean you know people are moving all the time and that's not an easy thing, especially if you have been in a home for, like my family had been in that home for over 25 years. So that's definitely not an easy thing. It's just so powerful. And one three minute song can really change the life of a listener or someone writing it. It made me feel so much better and it felt like I had a weight lifted off of me. You know, I like to say that everyone is my audience. I really like to write my songs where a 50-year-old could relate to it, but also a 20-year-old could or even like a 5-year-old. Kids really have a huge, huge part of my heart. Like I absolutely adore kids and actually teach a class at my church and have been doing it for a while for pre-K kids. So ages four and five. And um, now I'm also doing that. It's like a Bible study thing. We call it house church every week where I have some older kids now as well. But um, I just, whenever I write a song in my mind, I think, okay, like, is this appropriate for 
a four-year-old, if a four-year-old in my class were to hear this song, like I do not want the parents to have to turn it off and be like, oh, we need to listen to something else. Like I just try and keep all my songs very appropriate and very positive and uplifting and happy. And actually, fun fact, I had gone to the beach. This was several years ago. And I'd gone to the beach and I was in the pool and I had just started talking to this family with three little kids and we wound up staying in touch ever since that trip to the beach. And we would write one another back and forth and they were several years younger than me. And I was at Lifeway Christian and there was this Jesus Calling book that was for younger kids. And I wound up getting that and sending it over to the family with the three kids and they still use it to this day. And the oldest girl will message me and she's like, I absolutely love this devotion book. And I mean, I just think it's such an amazing thing. And I feel like every single day that the devotion in it like really hits home to exactly what you're going through and everything. It's like to a T. So I think they're just uh, so amazing. I absolutely love Jesus Calling. I have the book right next to my bedside table and everything. I'm going to read a passage from June 11th. Trust me and don't be afraid, for I am your strength and song. Do not let fear dissipate your energy. Instead, invest your energy in trusting me and singing my song. The battle for control of your mind is fierce, and years of worry have made you vulnerable to the enemy. Therefore, you need to be vigilant in guarding your thoughts. Do not despise this weakness in yourself, since I am using it to draw you closer to me. Your constant need for me creates an intimacy that is well worth all the effort. You are not alone in this struggle for your mind. My spirit living within you is ever ready to help. I do get nervous and everything before I perform, and especially if it's people that I've never met before and all that, it just can be kind of a lot. And sometimes I do feel like the fear kind of gets in my head and I unfortunately am an overthinker sometimes. And especially when I'm overthinking and focusing on that fear that I have inside of me and worry and doubt and everything, it really does like drain your energy and everything. And so I just think that the, my favorite Bible verse is Isaiah 41.10 that says, Do not be afraid, for I am your God. And I just think that it's so important to not be afraid and know that Jesus is right there with you every step of the way. And before I sing my songs, I'm always like, okay, this is for you. Like, I know that you're with me. And, you know, even if I mess up or forget a lyric or whatever it is, like, this is for the glory of you. And it's all going to be okay. To find out more about Ashlyn and to listen to her latest music, please visit ashlyngrace.com. If you'd like to hear more stories about finding joy in tough times, you may enjoy watching our video with teen actress and author Elena Pitts on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Jesus Calling Book. Next time on the Jesus Calling Podcast, country music star Eddie Montgomery spent 33 years being one half of the country supergroup Montgomery Gentry until his partner, Troy Gentry, was killed in a helicopter accident. Eddie talks a little bit about how life changed after losing his partner and friend.
You know, it's not a day that don't go by, I don't think about him, miss that big smile of his, man, that big wooden spoon. You know, and he was stirring the pot, boys, and doing something, pulling the practical jokes. Uh, you know, I was, after about 33 years of looking till you left, man, it's, uh, it's, it's different. Do you love hearing these stories of faith weekly from people like you whose lives have been changed by a closer walk with God? Then be sure to subscribe to the Jesus Calling Stories of Faith podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you like what you're hearing, leave us a review so that we can reach others with these inspirational stories. And you can also see these interviews on video as part of our original web series, with a new interview premiering every other Sunday on Facebook Live. Find previously broadcast interviews on our YouTube channel on IGTV or on JesusCalling.com slash video.